0: Hi and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Chris O'Fault, the editor of The Toolkit. Earlier this year, writer-director Robert Eggers and A24 released one of the best horror movies in recent memory. The Witch is a stunning debut from a filmmaker no one was really tracking before Sundance. In the film, Robert transports us to early 17th century New England in a time when people believed in witches and often commonly blamed them for their misfortune. What Robert does in this film is he beautifully recreates this time period for a film that's as much steeped in genre as it is historical accuracy. One of the things that we talk about is how, as a former production designer and also a history nerd, Eggers is able to kind of meld these two things together into a unique artistic process, and how that's going to also continue on his upcoming film, The Remake of Nosferatu. This doesn't Look like a $3 million movie, The Witch. It never, never, it has like such a high production value. And I, I'm kind of assuming a lot of that is, has to be somewhat grounded in, in a production design background on your part and the way that you think about films. Is that? I,
1: I think so, um, because I was able to take my time to figure out how to do it for that amount. And we, I, I spent a long time, even before we had a line producer, literally, uh, calculating yardage of the period cloth we would need and all this kind of stuff to really have a very clear idea and so we we found that there was no way to do this for less than 3.2 million dollars if we wanted it to look the way that we wanted it to look but but additionally um, you know that was still stretching every every cent was was on the screen and in certain sequences, like the opening of the film uh, in, at the at the plantation with the meeting house, I don't tend to like to storyboard. Uh, but we, that was all storyboarded, so we could understand how many people need shoes, how much of the floor we actually need to see, how much of the plantation we need, you know, and all this kind of stuff, so that we can carefully work within that budget so yeah i don't think the one scene because it's before
0: the family gets banished it's the one scene that you have like probably like 30 40 people yeah. or something in there to yeah. make, and like you know like i can't see 40 pairs of shoes because you know
1: you're not going right. to something whatever because like we're not going to be able to afford to do it and that, then that was a very expensive portion of the film so we had to really understand that um yeah and i don't think with my without my background in production design that i would be have able to thought that, think that way.
0: I think, there's, I think that's like a really important lesson because it seems like a lot of independent films get watered down and stretched because mm-hmm. they're trying to do so much. And mm-hmm. they're even. I'm thinking even in terms of moves and going yeah. from space to space. And I think about someone such as yourself that has that background that knows what looks good on camera, that, that has been able to see how to get a, a certain value with a limited budget. And... It strikes me, and, I, and thinking about it and rewatching The Witch, because it's so good, is that it almost, like, when you're thinking about your story, narrowing what's on screen, yeah. narrowing the scope of what's on screen and how to make that part that appears, yeah. that window on that world, may it be the trees, yeah. may it be the stuff
1: you built, exactly. may it be the clothes, right? Exactly, exactly. So, so, in, yeah, instead of... Having a ton of stuff that's mediocre, we have a few things that are great. I mean, it's as simple as that, but it's true. And, you know, it's, it is funny also. We, we, I, when we were scouting, it took so long to find locations that I liked. And I finally didn't even really like where we chose, but uh, because I still wanted even taller trees but because uh, the idea is like 17th century before yeah the, before uh white people are coming and cutting them all down uh i mean there were white pines were rivaling redwoods in, in size when uh the english settlers first came here so that i mean we weren't going to find that <laughs> uh, but 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 even larger trees but it was clear practically speaking that the woods that were surrounding the farmstead needed to be the woods that we shot in mm-hmm. uh, because um, we would never make our days otherwise because there were so many exteriors and it always had to be gloomy uh, and we had to constantly um, rejigger the schedule in order to uh, keep things gloomy. And had, had we been saying, this is where we go to the forest, we'd, we never would have had that
0: um, safety. And part of it also, I imagine it's also about Lack of moves, right? It's about that's, staying, that's a, staying, yeah, exactly, yeah, staying, exactly. and staying in one spot, right? And so then, the other thing that's so awesome about this is once. You, and you, what you? You ended up having to go to Canada to find those forests. Is that what it was?
1: We we went to Canada for financial reasons. Uh, we 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 shot in northern Ontario and a certain part of northern Ontario where we got money from the Canadian government uh, um, to spend there, um, and that and it because. We had other investors who were willing to make the film for around one, one and a half, and I and I'd really tried to find a way to make that work, but it would couldn't happen. Uh, so by doing it in Canada, we could actually make the film. <laughs> uh, but then I, th- I ignorantly thought, okay, Canada, it's going to be virgin wilderness, but there's so much logging in that region that there was nothing right it was these tiny little planted white pine forests like I mean red pine forests all in a row and we needed big white pine and hemlock and so finally we found it but it was an extremely remote place so in addition to not moving a lot like we're gonna move there we're gonna stay there you know
0: and the other thing is you're you're a fellow New England boy right so this is part of this is like capturing that unique something very unique about like where we grew up exactly
1: and and so I, I needed that and when I screened at the New Hampshire Film Festival uh, you know, hands went up immediately to say that there weren't enough oak trees, and, uh, and that's not right. You
0: know? <laughs> so. uh, it was funny, you know. I saw that because I was—I didn't go to Sundance in 2015, uh-huh. and of course, everybody was talking about your film. And it was funny—I saw that one of the first places that there was a screening before it was New York, was that you were up in New Hampshire? Like, yeah, that was like your second screening in the U.S., right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we had Fantastic Fest, but oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, now, part of the, and so then it's about those resources that you do have doing builds, right? Mm-hmm. And like getting, I guess you used the word authenticity because you want to, but but essentially that uh, building stuff with wood, building things the way that they actually operated, you also knew would have for this the, the family and the house that they built. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I, um, it's interesting. Kubrick credits uh, the Italians. He, Ita- he credits Franco Zeffirelli and, uh, and um, uh, Visconti for sort of recreating history uh, instead of designing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I know that there are earlier examples of that, but that school of really trying to recreate the past mm-hmm. is satisfying for me, and, and I find that it like that's transportive. And as, as, as an audience member, it's, and, and somehow I, I think you can feel that it's, it's right. Uh, as, as a filmmaker or a designer, I don't know, I, I feel like close to the past and like a kinship and like I'm learning things and it, it is very, it's just exciting. Like I think, I think if I weren't a filmmaker, something I could maybe do is work in a museum that does these kind of reenactment things. I, I find it ex- exciting to like be immersed in the in the past. Um, and but but for the witch, um, I think the reason why it matters is is that we can't believe in the witch, and we can't believe in we we can't. Uh, we can't get into the Puritans' mindset uh, if their physical world also isn't there. And the more, thi- like, obviously no one's gonna stand up in the audience and shout and cry if we used, uh, you know, some rough cut lumber from Home Depot instead of the hand-riven oak clapboards but but you can just, the more things like that that you don't do, the more you can feel
0: something's wrong. I think that's something that I'm starting to learn too, Is because I used to think, oh, people get a little too hyped up about the authenticity or one or two mm-hmm. things. But I think one of the thing that, I and was actually seeing Billy Lynn in that crazy 120 mm-hmm. frame second, mm-hmm. and like the, it started thinking a lot about production design. Is that it's less about the wood is the exact cut or it's the exact tool, but there's something about the collective yeah, exactly, of everything exactly. that's on frame, all those details kind of blend together to give you a feeling. Yeah. And so like you can cheat one thing, but there's something about a total and there's yeah. some, and there's also something, and I wish you could speak to is that in this world where things have this homemade, not homemade, but like made from wood by hand and by tools mm-hmm. rather than by by machines, it gives your film this texture. Yeah. And this yeah. Yeah, it's a great texture, you know,
1: and it's a fun, it's a fun texture. I, 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 yeah, I mean, there are, th- there are things that are accidentally not period accurate, and I, you know, hit my head when I, when I think about it, and there are things that also we, we changed on purpose, but we knew we were breaking the rules because we needed to do something, and finally, you know, the story we were telling was bigger than that rule that we were breaking or whatever, so it's not. It's, and it's, it's always an interpretation. I mean, but even when you go to a museum, it's an interpretation. I mean, I went, I was in uh, uh, Copenhagen, and there was this museum that was saying all these things about um, uh, pre-Celtic shamans in Northern Europe, that they were like exclaiming our truths. And I'm like, you don't know that. Like we, we assume that uh, given all these things, but we don't know that. So you, so, so uh, as as a museum curator makes a choice, the filmmaker makes a choice and whatever.
0: Part of this is that also in narrowing that scope, seeing that window, this is something that I think if I'm, if I'm guessing correctly, you also write to. Yeah. Like even, even something like the fact that I'm thinking about cast. Right. The your story is about a story about a family that gets banished, and my guess is that even part of that, like you couldn't have made this film if they stayed in the village. Right. And and also and and so writing towards those limitations and writing towards this kind of knowing what's going to look good on screen and what what you can do is that is that part too? Yeah. It?
1: I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to like uh, and I. I don't think that this was like your insinuation. I'm not just trying to write, like, that would be cool. Like, that would look good. Of course. I know that you're insinuating. But, working that. Within but a yes. Framework, but, but yes. And that the, having those uh, boundaries and having the rules of that world are, yeah, that's great. And with, with the witch, um, it was very much as if I had a, uh, I've used this line too much, but it is true that I had kind of a dollhouse in my head and I had all my little action figures of each of the characters. And because I had been studying wills and inventories, like I knew basically every single object that they could have. So that made me say, well, I mean, if they dropped the bill hook on the ground when they were, uh, you know, such and such earlier, then that's there for, you know, that's what I'm
0: And let's talk about the story because my understanding is that this is a lot of, I mean, part of this, part of the thing here the stories is that like they thought witches were real, like everybody, like just the acceptance of the fact that witches are real, it's, um, and so built into that premise. Like I think there was a lot of research. There was a lot of going back to text. Mm-hmm. There was like right. That was part mm-hmm. of your writing process.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's, it, it, yes, a lot of research, a lot of research, a lot of reading primary source materials. Uh, I mean, that sounds like it's
0: something. Just listening to you, it sounds like something that that's right in your wheelhouse. It's. I love
1: it. I mean, I love it. Uh, I'm. I, I. I read. I, 17th century, 16th century texts for pleasure, uh, as well, you know, and Might as well get a script out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure. But, um, but yeah, it was, I mean, I, I wasn't like in archives with kid gloves reading literally the real thing, but these primary source sources that I was using are, are easy to get. A lot of them are on the internet, um, you know, but it was, it was a lot, it was a lot.
0: And so what did you take from that part of this is definitely a language there's a unique way that they talk but there's also s- stories and scenarios
1: uh yeah i mean the things case histories of witchcraft that were written about by people like cotton mather and uh describe what happens when there's a witch around or demonic possession and there's also a lot of Elizabethan and Jacobean witch pamphlets that were sort of the tabloid newspapers back in England that would describe these things. And you kind of are tell- asking yourself, okay, what, what are the things that happens every time uh, that just, these, this, these are the archetypal, uh, beats and motifs of when there's a witch around you know those have to be in there what are the things that speak most personally to me and my background and my history and my memories those need to be in there and what are these weird kind of strange things that are somehow we're slightly removed from these archetypes for example the stuff with the hair and the goat particularly the hair the hair, H-A-R-E, hair uh, which people oftentimes call a bunny, but it's a, it's a hare. Uh, it, th- that's not part of our folklore in America, really, uh, as white people. Um, there's some jackrabbits and stuff in, uh, but, uh, in uh, native lore. But, but in, uh, in England and the UK and Europe, the hare is a huge thing. And because we're just a little bit divorced from that, when it works for people, people are kind of saying, I don't know why that hare is affecting me but it is. <laughs> yeah. And so that those
0: things also need to be in there. Um, yeah. And so two things off that. One is, y- you said, my history, my sense of things. Part of this is something about, um, I imagine in this story, a connection of growing up in, in New England and a connection to this history. Is that what you're kind of getting at? Well, yeah. I mean,
1: I've always been interested in witches and growing up in New England, you feel like or I, I'm not alone in saying this, even though it sounds precious. The I, I, more people I talk to about it, the more they say, yeah, it's true. But you, you feel like the woods behind your house are haunted by the past. They, you know, they just, it just feels like that. And, and, and aside from any connections with Salem or in the local witches, uh, which were discussed a lot when I was a kid, uh, my earliest dream
0: that I can remember is a nightmare about witches. So I've always had a witch issue. <laughs> it's per- but it's perfect for a movie too because you're associating it with a landscape and a place that yeah. has like a, a, a feel and a texture that you can also film right so. yeah exactly
1: and some something that I also say uh, often in these kinds of things which is also true is that it's it's not enough to have a good shot or even a, an appropriate shot but I it, every moment needs to be a, an articulation of a memory. I, I, the fabricated memory because obviously I didn't grow up in the 17th century, but without the attention to um, uh, you know the physical world, and without attention to uh, how English Calvinists thought and spoke and all this kind of stuff, I, and I can't articulate it as if it was a memory. So that's why the immersive research and all this kind of stuff, because I need to own the image, like as if it came from before I'm making it, you know what I'm saying?
0: Is that the filter that you're using because you're going through all this material, you're hearing all these stories, you're meeting all these people from the past. Is that a little bit uh, of the filter that you're using to pull details as the ones that evoke images, that evoke feelings of like memories and a sense of things? Is that?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think so.
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. and then the language. Mm-hmm. You clearly are comfortable with 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 language, but the idea I. That, yeah. <laughs> But like, I mean but I mean but there must be an element here of too of like feeling like confident that this was a language that you could get actors to perform and, and wanting I mean what I mean there had to have been I have to imagine as you were sitting around the script there was a couple notes about about dialogue.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, certainly that was a big obstacle for people, which I, th- I think maybe if people weren't talking uh, in this antiquated English, people might have been open to making it for $3.2 million more readily, I don't know. Uh, but the language was something people were af- afraid of. And, and when we were doing early screenings for friends and family, uh, there was often lots of confusion. and, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm sad to say that it, a lot of people still have a hard time with it, but uh, you can turn your subtitles on on Amazon. So, uh, but um, but yeah. yeah, I
0: found I found most of the people that I, I that it's just it's like anything else. It's just you get into the rhythm of it, and pretty soon you're you're there. Oh yeah, I
1: mean I mean certainly. That's my experience. I mean, look, I have a background with Shakespeare, which is why directing Shakespeare on stage, which is, and performing in it, uh, which is why it was something that just kind of made sense to me and I knew I would be able to find actors who could do it. Um, but, but I mean, even me, uh, as, as nerdy as I am, uh, if I go to see a Shakespeare play, even if it's done by the greatest actors, like it takes A scene or so before you get acclimated, Um, but but certainly I didn't cast anyone who couldn't do it. Like I wasn't teaching anyone how to do this. Everyone who I cast right out uh, of the starting gate is that the right phrase? Yeah, Uh, they
0: they were able to do it. You know, theater actors, theater background.
1: Um, Yeah, and no, but um, but they just were able to do it. (laughs) I mean, it's interesting because there are some ways in which regional dialects in England have syntax that is closer to this. I mean, uh, in, in Ken Loach's KESS, which is like 1969 or 1971, uh, they, they say um, uh, it's either "thee" or thou, and it's used as a pejorative. Um, and and Louise Ford the editor she's from Cheshire and she talks about her her grandfather saying thee and thou so it's not that far removed to the ears over there which is also partially why I was very insistent even though it was gonna be very expensive to have an all UK cast including like uh, you know uh, six-year-old
0: twins now see late 60s Loach I need to turn on the subtitles for that <laughs> yeah you, do, you do, for sure, for sure. Um just, just one thing before we move past this, though, and I don't. Maybe this isn't something that's like a conscious thought, and maybe. Well, it, it, a lot, a lot of this, a lot of
1: these interviews is making unconscious things conscious <laughs> and it, 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 it,
0: sloppily in a verbal way. <laughs> but do you, in thinking about, and I want to talk about some things that you've got on deck as well. But in thinking about these stories of the past obviously there's a personal connection there's something that's evoking images and memories for you uh there's something that you are instinctively kind of attaching to this material is there something also some people go back in history and want to tell history stories because they feel a connection to today or they Mm -hmm. feel some kind of some kind of bind about like Mm -hmm. how I, i couldn't maybe say these things about the world today but i feel like from mm-hmm. the distance of a past I can. Mm-hmm. Is there something about these stories that feels very relevant to you? I mean, I watched The Witch, and I felt things that were very relevant. I mean, that's also this year. Uh, but, uh, which, by the way, Robert and I are talking on... The week before the election, this will or after the election. So, we'll, we'll, you know, but, oh, but right, yeah. but, but right now, it, it feels that way. I, I, but I'm wondering though, is and beyond Trump and all that stuff. But is there stuff that feels when you started this that has to feel relevant to today? And there's like there's a connection. If it's re-
1: if it's relevant to me, I I hope that means that it will be relevant to other people. But I don't say like this is an idea that. I am thinking about, that I want to explore using the past. Uh, I don't do it like that. Um, Often, it's just a series of images and an atmosphere that is compelling to me. And then in doing my research, the story emerges and the story will be Relevant, I assume, because even though I'm an antiquarian and I like to like hide away from things and I don't like to be on social media and all this stuff, I don't live in a vacuum, you know. And I'm getting my iPhone news updates, as you're saying, every two seconds, and so it just comes out. It just comes out. Okay.
0: Um, so I feel like the production design and your theater background, and the Shakespeare, like I feel like these things are kind of all kind of explain some of, like the goodness of the witch. Thank you, sir. Um, but this is, and I, I don't mean to blow smoke up your ass here, but I mean, this is the most self assured, confident, precise feature premiere I've seen in a really long time. And one of the things about this, I mean, your film language, and I know a lot of this is a collaboration with your cinematographer who I've talked to before, um, but one of the things that instantly struck me in watching this film is there's no coverage here there's no safety there's no well i'm going to back this up with an insert of a hand or a close-up or maybe you did and you just left it on the editing room floor but there's like there's some very bold film language here that is also not standard coverage to like cover your ass also is, is, is that was there like an approach here of like how you want to film this and and being so specific and precise in what you wanted yeah
1: i mean that's definitely me and jaron Blaschke, uh, me and Jaren's a- approach and it, I, part of it comes from never having enough money to have a lot of days and all, all this kind of stuff so you can't shoot too much but rather than be safe we want to do something great <laughs> and, or try to I, I think there are some places where you know we needed a close up then uh, we don't have one. There are some places where I think our confidence uh, got the better of us, but overall, I think that um, that it, it worked out. And and I think, um, but, but I'm not interested in, in coverage. I hate I hate 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 seeing a movie that feels like it's just shot like a TV show. It drives me insane because I mean. Talking about Ken Loach again, Ken Loach... Unlike The Witch, which is saying, Look how cool this shot is, look how smart this is. <laughs> like in a way that drives me insane. Like Ken Loach never does that, but he's also not shooting coverage. Mm-hmm. It's very gentle. You know, Mike Lee's the same way. Like you just you're just watching something and you're not conscious of the photography. This, you're very, very conscious of the photography, but it is, it's not, it's just not this, it's just not this formula. Like we're trying to get at the essence of what this scene is and understand uh you know how our characters are experiencing the scene, and that's how we make the decision to do whatever shot. I mean, it's as simple as that.
0: But in some cases, though, it is unlike a, a Loach film or a Lee film. It, it it is it does have a horror element to it. There is an element of of needing to kind of have some element of control over where the audience are course, and how they're experiencing. And so, I mean, I guess the thing that I'm really kind of getting at is is that in a lot of cases, you know, with the ability to cut. And the ability to control the audience and the ability to reframe and make sure they're seeing the action in a certain way, you're putting a huge burden on yourself with longer takes of having to reframe, of having to depend on the pacing and the rhythm coming from internally from what you have on screen. It's it's a it's a wonderful way of filmmaking, but it's also something that just depends on everything being in sync and in time. Yeah. And and and, and, exact.
1: and you don't want it to feel like uh, like People hitting marks because that's really shitty. I mean, I think there are a few moments. I mean, my actors are incredible. Like it's such a fantastic cast, and I love them all. But there are a few moments when I feel like someone's like, you know, like hitting the mark, which is always annoying. But but we, you know, we had a week of rehearsals, which for our budgetary level was a lot, that and it was market. really needed. It was really needed because it, because I didn't want it to feel like um, phony. And, and the other, and 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 because no one wanted to make the movie, I had so long to prepare. Jaron, you know, many many years before anyone anyone was giving us money. Jaron and I were in Plymouth Plantation, in the recreation of 1627 uh, Plymouth, in the houses with a light meter, like thinking about stuff. So, so just for fun, or are you making shorts, or are you just no, we just, were trying to prepare for this. You've been and, thinking about it. You've been thinking about it. For we've been a while. thinking about it. So. So by the time we were shooting, we were so prepared that not only were we, but, but it, wasn't, it didn't turn into like, okay, we're Hitchcock now, like here is our slave list, and now we're gonna just you know, execute it. We, were, we had that list, but we were able to say, oh, wow, that, look at that branch that's floating a certain way, we can whatever, and we can adjust, and, and that was great. But
0: knowing in what you needed from something. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: like there, there, you know, Louise Ford is uh, like did an incredible job. The uh, she's the editor, sure. okay. uh, and um, you know, but there were definitely uh, some like m- many times where it's like, no, like we have to just cut this in the sequence of the shot list.
0: Well, let me just take you. you know? There was there's there's a few scenes, but there's one that when I was watching, I, it, it, when the the brother, the younger boy is possessed mm-hmm. and um the families around him and he's what is physically demanding of him as a performer mm-hmm. is quite a bit i don't know how old mm-hmm. he is he's 10 11 12, 12 but yeah i mean i mean that's a you were getting a lot from a 12 year old and then there's this part where we're watching mm-hmm. him from very specific and then he pops up and he's got he's just in the light like almost like this amazing sit-up mm-hmm. right like i mm-hmm. got like, like an angle and he's right in the light and it's like and the Precision of having the demands that you already have from a performance standpoint, and and the choice even just to do that shot in one take—that's like a really specific. You could have let yourself get off the hook a little bit easier with like a match cut or something there, but like you really see these things like where he's got to sit up right in that light after shaking and doing all of this. Well, that was that. Was, you know, Jaren and I,
1: I shot listed the whole movie. Jaren shot listed the whole movie. Then we come together and you know, make it happen, Uh, you know, use whatever, best. whoever has the best idea, we use it, right? And then that scene, though, we always were like, I don't know what the hell we're going to do because it's too much shit going on and we got to see the actors doing their thing. So I was really just working with the actors like a stage director and uh, and we rehearsed the scene mercilessly. And even on the weekends, we would go back and rehearse the scene. And Jaron would be there with Bo, the ADs. Uh, 5d just kind of you know working on different stuff and and the only thing that I knew (laughs) that I wanted was that one long shot because we knew that we need to see him die in this elongated thing in order for it to actually be powerful but really that was the most collaborative Scene and so I'm very glad that you feel that it, it you know it worked the most because that was that was or, or whatever you were saying it's because it was it was a, it was a it was a real collaboration. But
0: you didn't have it, sounds like you had really supportive people, and however you got the money was supportive, it sounds like a great team. But you didn't have someone on set like you didn't have people, I mean, people had to be see how you were shooting this movie, and I obviously they had faith in you, but you know, you've, no, never, I, you've I, never done this before. There's no one over there saying, Hey, maybe. Let's punch in here. Let's 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 make sure we have this because we're leaving Ontario and you're going to be in an editing room in Brooklyn or wherever you're going to be, and we can't get it again. No, I mean, people, people believed in us. I mean,
1: Jay Van Hoy says, uh, like, look, the producer, like, I was watching the dailies and I'm thinking, oh fuck, like, all that it was one shot. Like, I had no fucking idea. <laughs> this is the this is parts and labor guys. Yeah, right? you know, like. and, and, and we, we yeah. felt like, yeah, yeah, we are painting ourselves into a corner, but we know that we're going to be able to jump over the door jam and mm-hmm. get out, you know. Maybe there's going to be a few spots that we wish we could have gone back and hit, and, and we definitely, I'm going to go to elaborate with this uh, uh, analogy, but anyway, you get
0: my point. Was there, I mean, you mentioned Loach and Lee. Was there other people specifically in terms of how you shot? This film. I mean, they weren't influential to how I shot yeah, this film. Yeah, that, that, that feels like a little... They weren't loose. influential they to how, shot feels how like, I shot this yeah, film. They a little loose. They're not
1: how I shot this film at all. But yeah. I'm just saying, I, I, I'm saying in contrast to myself, right. but also not doing coverage. You don't pay attention to their photography the same yeah. way that I'm like, yeah. you know... Because I, I, I've seen Cass, I don't didn't think, oh, that inspired the witch. You no, know? I mean certainly, yeah. I was did say that the performances,
0: and, yeah. and but, but were, were there we, filmmakers that did? Were there sure, people I mean, that work this way that you really? You
1: no, know? I I think for me, while I don't need as many close-ups, even though that's his magic, it, for me Bergman's uh, the holy grail in so many ways because the. Technique is so rigorous, and yet, on uh, you don't notice it. You aren't thinking like, "Wow, we've been in a wonder for all this time." Mm-hmm. You're just in the scene, and 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 that's because of his compassion for the characters, uh, mm-hmm. and and Sven Nikvist's mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I mean, certainly, I don't like their lighting approach in their color films. Uh, it works so well for what they're doing, but it's not mine. Uh, but, yeah, um, that's kind of the holy grail. And, I mean, I think you can I mean, you can see, obviously, uh, you know, Kubrick and Lynch and blah, 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 in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've said this many times, and I'll say it again, I'm embarrassed by the stench of The Shining on this movie, but I think that it wouldn't work for the people who it works for mm-hmm. if, it, if it weren't for that, um, like... Um, for that
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned lighting too because part of this it seems as if um there's a i don't mean simple like it was easy to mm-hmm. do but there's a there's a there definitely seems like you and jaren have like a strip down like how can we do this with one candle can mm-hmm. we do this uh, let's wait for a gloomy day and see if we can shape that kind of like working from yeah. like very having a very distinct look but wanting to work with kind of the least amount of light that you can is that is that well
1: it's i mean it's not like the least amount is the goal but the goal is just it's like look this is how these people live this is how they would be experienced obviously wouldn't be gloomy every day but we need that for the the atmospheric story that we're trying to tell but um but they live by candlelight so why, why the hell would we want a kino flow in there you know it just and and i don't and i just i don't have a taste for stylized lighting especially when I just does I just doesn't excite me at all Uh, and and uh, I mean I'm I'm probably can think of a time when I'm when that's not true but generally I just I just hate it and especially when we're dealing with something that's borderline cliche fairy tale imagery if we're then doing fairy tale lighting with all these hard highlights and like colored gels and shit, you can't believe in the reality of the fairy tale. So that natural light is, it just grounds it, it just grounds it.
0: And as someone that's constantly going back and exploring history, I imagine these are some of the images that are also yeah like, evoking for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in terms of like thinking about going back, um, you know, it might... My understanding is Nosferatu is next. Is that is that the next project? It seems shockingly to me and
1: surprisingly to me like it will. It's most likely the next project, and I, <laughs> I, 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 it feels ugly and blasphemous and egomaniacal and disgusting for a filmmaker. My place to be doing Nosferatu next, and I was really planning on waiting a while, but it just that's how fate shook, shook. Out in my life, <laughs> That's it, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and but for that story, um, is this something? Is it is it similar? I don't mean is it similar to the witch, but in terms of like, um, you're talking about entering the past. You're talking about thinking about things in terms of imagery and memories. Like, what what was it about this material, or what is your attachment to that? Well, um,
1: so. I've like all you know anything dark I liked I was I didn't I I a lot of canonical horror movies of the 80s and stuff I didn't see because they were too scary for me I saw Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time like two months ago I know it's horrible but it, you know but it was like Hammer stuff and Universal stuff that I could handle as a kid and that I liked and uh, and but I saw a picture of Max Schreck as Count Orlock in a book in my elementary school, and I lost my mind. And so, in rural New Hampshire, I mean, it's not the middle of nowhere by any means, but it was not easy to find like that. Uh, and it was something that like my mom and I had to drive, or I, she drove me to the to this mall to get the order the VHS and blah blah. Anyway,
0: I was just. Off that image, off seeing the images, yeah. of you needed to see yeah. and this is, is the Murnau twenty nineteen twenty-two one. Yeah,
1: and it really just stuck with me. And uh, and then when I was 17, uh, I directed this senior directed play uh, that was Nosferatu. And it was very expressionist. It was much more expressionist than the film is. It was kind of like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari style. And it was all black and white makeup uh black and white sets and uh and it was done silently almost like a ballet to like Schoenberg and and Webern and stuff like that and there was a guy Ed Langlois who had an arty theater in New Hampshire who saw that when I was 17 and he was like I want you to mount this at my theater like uh professionally and that like I like lost my mind You're seventeen. yeah 30, 17 13, yeah. yeah um and so no, if i can be this guy i mean that's what made me realize like this is what i want to be doing <laughs> uh so i had so so nosferatu has a very close special magical connection for me uh though uh, i think if i had if i were to make the movie 17 year old rob was going to make a movie with nosferatu would have been something between like the nightmare before christmas and sin city you know uh whereas this uh, is going to be the same approach as The Witch, where um, 1830s Biedermeyer Baltic Germany needs to be uh, you know, articulated <laughs> in a way that seems real and and uh, and, a, and a corpse from folklore walks into the picture.
0: So in that sense, in that way with The Witch, that you were drawn to a specific time period in New England, like going and creating that world of that time in that space, and and having it grounded in that. Was it, it's eighteen thirties as you say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's like a big thing for you. That's like another. That's yeah. a way into the world.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I, I, I think
0: yeah, it is. It just mm-hmm. is. It is. <laughs> and the character is this something that is it is it. It sounds. I don't know if you're able to connect with this, but it's just like that's quite a story that that image really struck you as a child to the point that you were tracked down not a lot I was a film nerd my mom never had a track down a 1922 uh, <laughs> VHS uh, silent German movie for me that's but there's something about the look of that of that character of that well, can you speak to that in some way I mean I'm gonna get in
1: trouble but there you know Nosferatu is not a perfect film. It feels like a low-budget horror movie when you compare it to other films that are made. It's incredible how more now is going out to uh, these real locations, but in contrast, the interiors in Berlin seem a little like cardboardy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 flow of the entire film, the atmosphere of the entire film, is so powerful. And then it is Max Schreck's performance. Um, I am super happy to see these contemporary restorations that are in really good shape but they also make me sad because i can see um you know max Shrek's bald cap and his fake eyebrows and the makeup and grease paint here comes robert from the production design world (laughs) (laughs) well it's i mean well but but what the thing is the the version that i had which was from a 16 millimeter print on a vhs uh, in black and white, because um, now they're color-tinted, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was no s- scenes. Like, it was just a vampire walking around. And there was this uh, w- these particularly striking moment where th- the, the, the the image was so degraded that it looks like he has cat eyes, mm-hmm. um, which in the, in the um, new restoration does not happen. Uh, but that was, it just seemed like you were watching this weird... Footage of a real vampire. I mean, that's what inspired the Defoe movie, you know. But, but uh, something about that. I mean, but 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 it's like, but I can't, I can't also do Max Trek again either. So that's fun. Uh, so it's going back to the origins of the folk vampire. And so you're writing. Yeah, you're writing it.
0: Okay. I won't push you anymore, I know, but <laughs> you're in the process of writing it. Oh, are you? Are you doing this with someone? Or you someone? Is is someone on? Uh, is there a company involved? Are you it's doing Studio A.
1: It's it's Jeff. It's Jeff Rob Robinov Studio A. Oh, okay, eight. Yeah.
0: okay. Yeah. That's, well, perfect. Super. Robert, thank you so much. Best of luck with this uh, next project. Uh, Thanks. You know-